Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel here on the show. And Sean, we have, for people listening in, they'll have heard back-to-back shows where we did the first 10 rounds, we did the second 10 rounds, a full 20 round draft over at the FFPC in the Superflex Best Ball Tournament, where it is $35 per entry, it's a $10,000 top prize in that contest. So it's going to be... Tough sledding, but we're hoping to to get there again this year to make it towards the finals. Talked on that show about some of the ways of advancing and the systems of it being 12-team leagues. There will be 33 teams in the final of this. Hopefully, we will make it through as one of those. But one of our teams, whether it's us or the listeners in this, will advance through the first round, or two of them, actually, because the top two of this 12-team will advance to the first round of the playoffs. So we are going to talk through it today, discuss some of the teams, discuss our team and discuss the pressure again, as we know, Sean, that the the road of his overtime listening community in this draft put us under. But I'll start the show out that if anyone is interested in drafting against myself and Sean, do reach out to me. You can do that on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or send an email to rotavizradio at gmail.com. I can't believe the amount of people that want to draft that. Sean, last year we did this. We were like, yeah, maybe we'll do one or two leagues. I think we had maybe six or seven at the end of it. But this year, it looks like we'll be surpassing that pretty quickly. So we'll try and make sure we can fit as many in as we can. But um, it's going to be a fun time. So if you want to play, come and play against myself and Sean. We have in different ones of these leagues. But Sean, this was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to recapping our team. And there's some very strong builds here in this to, to discuss as well. So how are you feeling? Has your heart rate come back down after? Uh, there was some the squeeze was on on some of those picks. It was so much fun. Drafting against the listeners presents unique challenges. And then our decision to pass on QBs at the very beginning, obviously that presents some unique challenges. And you mentioned that there was a lot of interest in doing these drafts. Uh, the road of his overtime community, the ceiling bananas community, just the road of his community in general has been absolutely fantastic over the last 16 months. I mean, the community has been fantastic since the site started back in 2013, but being able to participate in these different events and interact with the users and listeners has been an absolute blast. This is such a fun format with Superflex giving you that 
different vibe. And then the $35 entry fee, the leagues are filling all the time. You can get in and do them. It doesn't have the huge numbers. It feels a little bit more intimate. Now, the huge number of tournaments are, are awesome too, but what we like here is the variety. So this is a $164,000 total prize pool, $10,000 for first column. We hope that the winner comes out of this 12-team draft. Yeah, we do hope so. And uh, as I mentioned, we will be doing more of these over the, the coming weeks. So there will be a couple of them and we'll, we'll hopefully have our fair share of teams advancing and the listeners teams will be advancing. So hopefully we get some of them through here to, to try and play and represent in the finals. But $10,000 grand prize, $35 entry fee. It is Superflex best ball. It is a 20 round draft. So you have 20 selections and uh, it's pretty much set it and forget it once you draft and see how things play in. But yeah, I just love the format where it's the smaller leagues. You advance then into sets of smaller 12-team leagues, for example, and it's a 33-team final then in Week 17. But, Sean, looking through the teams, we'll go through ours first. I think that's the, the way to go, and then and then we'll see how some of these other teams and, and who drafted the players that we were hoping to get. But as we roll through it and look through the draft, I'll run through it in order off the draft board, then I'll run through it and how a kind of team sets up. We have Cooper Cup. Jamar Chase, Saquon Barkley, George Kittle, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Zach Wilson, Darnell Mooney, Garrett Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Ronald Jones, Desmond Ritter, Kenneth Gainwell, Jameson Crowder, Wondell Robinson, Will Fuller, Trey McBride, Greg Dulcich, and then we finished with Jarrett McKinnon and Geno Smith. So when we look at our overall build, Sean, that's going to leave us with four quarterbacks in Geno Baker, Zach Wilson, Desmond Ritter. Then at running back, that leaves us with Six running backs with Travis Etienne, Kenneth Gainwell, Saquon Barkley, Ronan Old Jones, J.K. Dobbins, and Jarek McKinnon. And then at wide receiver, we have seven wide receivers with Jamison Crowder, Will Fuller, William Fuller. Now, it's hard to keep up with these players that are all the, the names are changing. We have Cooper Cup, Darnell Mooney, Jamar Chase, Gard Wilson, and Wendell Robinson. Then a tight end, three tight ends, George Kittle, and the two rookies in Dulcich and McBride. So, Sean, after I got all those players named out, how are you feeling with how the draft played out after specifically we passed up on the, the QB options in those early rounds? Well, the smart way to play this and the way to maximize your chances to advance and still have a very, very powerful team overall would have been to start with Russell Wilson and Trey Lance. I like those picks a little bit more than Dak Prescott and Tom Brady at the turn. Although Dak Prescott and Tom Brady at the turn are very good picks, right? That's how you should execute the turn to make sure that you have the QB foundation. One of the things that we mentioned as the show was going along was don't necessarily select QB here and chase the points that you're losing to the drafters who got to select in the top nine. Burrow went off ninth. He's pretty clearly the end of a tier there. Jonathan Taylor, also Christian McCaffrey at seven and eight. Those are both good picks based on what the roster construction explorer tells us, especially once they got Trey Lance and Matthew Stafford coming back through. The flip side of that, though, is that if you are in this 10, 11, 12 range, then you can get two guys. And so at the turn, Al Swearingen gets a couple uh, team name, obviously, there. It was distracting to me. I kept getting confused as to who was picking because I have Al Swearingen involved in so many of my dynasty teams and different team names that anytime i see swearing i think i'm on the clock so that threw me off a little bit obviously love the drafters who are using big lebowski or deadwood team names in their drafts 
So I think that that is the dynamic. Had we started Wilson and Lance, then some of these QB picks that we made later obviously wouldn't have been necessary. There are a lot of things you can do after that because the Superflex is basically a format here where you take those first two QBs and then the draft starts. So from that perspective, again, we didn't do we didn't make the percentage play. Instead, we made a fun play and we selected Cup and Chase. I like the way that it played out. We ended up getting Zach Wilson well below ADP, even though we're not necessarily on him. You're going to have to have some guys you're not necessarily on if you start the way that we did, and then you have to take the player who drops. The player that I would have preferred went one spot ahead of us, and that was to the Cat Dad. He's been in a variety of our drafts, does a great job. Uh, I thought the way he played it, where he took a very similar approach to our approach at the beginning, started Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey. In a lot of ways, Kelsey would have made even more sense than taking Chase, which is who we picked. And then he ends up getting to round four without a QB, takes Trevor Lawrence, which is a player we mentioned, then takes Jerry Goff, one of our targets in round six, and nabs Mac Jones one spot ahead of us in round seven. I think with Lawrence and Jones, all you have to do is basically be a football follower, but also if you have read Blair Andrews' great work in the wrong read, you know that that second year is when we're expecting these QBs to really break out. If you get to break out performances from Lawrence and Jones to go along with Jerry Goff, who just now is loaded with weapons, that's going to be a very nice three-quarterback construction. And he also gets Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, and Najee Harris on top of it. So I, I think that could play out very nicely. Just on that, Sean, when we look at that team in 10th versus our team in 11th, you mentioned Travis Kelsey may be a more you know, smarter pick than Jamar Chase that we took. So looking at how things played out, if we had take, taken Kelsey there, we probably don't take George Kittle in the fifth round, and then we have the option of T. Higgins or A.J. Brown. So let's just say we swap tight ends and swap Bengals receivers. Would you prefer to have Kelsey and T. Higgins or Jamar Chase and George Kittle in hindsight? Yeah, I think that still Jamar Chase and, and George Kittle, right? Because Kittle, when he is running hot and we don't know how the 49ers offense is going to go, is every bit the athlete, every bit the receiver, you know, every bit the run after catch, if not more than Kelsey. He's not up in that age range where, uh, I mean, Kelsey has just shown so little decline i mean basically none now he did go through a stretch last season where he dropped a bunch of passes he wasn't as dynamic but then he comes back in the playoffs and looks like an absolute machine though we tend to forget the fact that you know he's moving into his mid-30s right and george kittle doesn't necessarily offer that risk when you're looking at kelsey versus kittle the reason that we now have this gap in their adps is due to the quarterback play and the uncertainty of just how much passing volume there will even be in the 49ers offense so you like that and on a per game basis, we know that T. Higgins can blow up. The fact that he was drafted here at wide receiver nine as the more or less clear cut number two on his own team gives you a sense of why the Bengals are going to score so many points and why Joe Burrow, despite some of the things structurally working against him, is a good pick. And one of the things that's been somewhat controversial and, and one of the things that some projections will show is that maybe burrow doesn't have the upside and maybe he doesn't even have the median outcome that some of these players who have a little bit more of the rushing upside or their teams are expected uh, from a play calling perspective to throw at a much higher rate even when leading 
I guess I expect to see the Bengals move back in that direction this season simply because if you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins and then Tyler Boyd on top of that, how can you not throw? It's, I mean, handing the ball off to Joe Mix when you have those receivers, that's a demoralizing play call. I don't, I don't think that we're going to get as much of that next year. So yeah, Higgins, I like there too. But I mean, Jamar Chase is one of these guys where you think about what Cooper Cup did last season you think about what megatron did you think about where you know julio jones you, you think back to andre johnson and you know andre 1500 with the 1500 seasons just over and over jamar chase is the guy who could have a 2000 yard 20 touchdown season it won't necessarily happen this year it won't necessarily happen ever but i think that there's still a pretty decent gap between that and what t higgins can offer which is also very appetizing yeah well if cooper cup and jamar chase on this roster going for four thousand yards this year so we'll be in a, a pretty good spot but um when we look through it then you did touch on uh t higgins and you know the team in ninth then and i don't know if this is i'm hoping it is but this could have a god one and i don't know if it's a play on the end of the shows with have a good one but we'll, we'll find out i'm sure for whoever t- drafted in team nine will i'm sure reply and let me know if that was the case i'm hoping it was the case but they do get Joe Burrow with the ninth pick, pair him with T. Higgins in the fourth round, but also um, then they do get one of our favorites in Tyler Boyd in the twelfth round. So a little bit of a Bengals stack going on there, which is, is very strong overall. They also took that Gerald Everett pick on a Sean uh, a couple of picks before we were hoping to. So that also uh, is in there. When we look through those, Sean, some of the overall rosters, is there any that's really standing out to you for uniqueness or for overall strength off build throughout, if you want to have a, a look through them? Well, all of the directors did a nice job here. You mentioned the Have a Godwin. When you have something as both a pun and a call-out, then uh, that's an A++. The only demerit that we would give this team is the fact that they did take Gerald Everett, who was very definitely the player that we wanted to have at the 11-11. <laughs> that was so. be our pick. We're, we're going to hold that against him a little bit, but that is a fantastic team. You know, gets a decent price there on Nick Chubb, gets a decent price there on David Montgomery. If you're going to select those players, those are the prices you need to get. We talked during the show that Cortland Sutton could be someone who has a massive breakout season to be able to put Burrow, Higgins, and Boyd together. Boyd, one of our all-time favorites. And then you look even to the end where they take Justin Ross. If you have a 19th round pick and you're not sure what you want to do, pick the most fun player available. That's what they select and i like that we talked about this ability to do the qb qb start we have four teams execute that at the 12th spot with prescott and brady the have a godwin team that also took wilson the powder finger team here at six which starts with jalen hurts and Derek carr and obviously Derek carr is one of the guys that we have been targeting a lot now his adp has started to creep up ever so slightly or at least he actually hasn't been in a lot of the drafts that i've been doing recently he hasn't been right in that spot that feels comfortable for me and fits in with what i've been trying to do and so that part is a little bit disappointing but he comes in here you put him with hertz you have a a very nice mix they select darren waller in round three now based on where these different players are going waller in round three is maybe a reach but i think that waller is undervalued he's someone who's going to have a big impact on the 2022 season then you look at javante williams a great running back 
discount there, you had kind of asked me, well, what if we took Travis Kelsey instead of George Kittle? What were you looking at there? Turned it in the fourth round. You mentioned T. Higgins. I think I would have been pushing for Javante Williams because you put Barkley and Williams together and you have a couple of different ways that that plays out and you have the league winning running back. So I like what he's doing there. Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, all those good picks. The Josh Jacobs pick in round eight, we, we do still have kind of a running back dead zone here in this draft from round seven to round nine. You have names like Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, Walker, AJ Dillon, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, James Cook, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Devin Singletary. Those picks I think are, are all controversial in some ways. Cook going before Singletary is interesting, even though I've said, I mean, you need to get a bunch of both of those. If you're a Cook believer, the upside there, drafting him in round nine, even in Superflex, is absolutely massive. I selected Antonio Gibson in one of my recent zero RB teams in the seventh round of a normal draft. I think that he does give you some upside, but there's obviously a lot of competition for touches in that backfield. Elijah Mitchell could lose a lot of work based on how this 49ers offense will probably be geared almost exclusively to Trey Lance. Josh Jacobs now being rumored as potentially someone who could lose his starting job during the year to Zemir White. We talked about Edwards Hilaire. Ken Walker and AJ Dillon drafted in that range. A ton of upside. I like those picks, and yet, you know, neither of those players appear to be the week one starter. Now, one of the things we talk about a lot is that the easiest way to win your league is to kind of fade the week one starter bump that you see. And yet, I mean, AJ Dillon, when you're talking about Aaron Jones as the guy starting ahead of him, that's not going to be week one, right? I mean, Aaron Jones is the guy unless he gets hurt. He's one of these talents. He's not Jamal Charles, but he's kind of in that next group down, brings a lot of those same things to the table. So those are some some tricky selections. And one of the things that I liked about our draft is that we didn't have any need ourselves to go to backs in that range because we'd already taken Barkley, ETN, and Dobbins. Now, I think that some drafters and some managers are going to justifiably say well i mean you took jk dobbins when james connor was still on the board that's a weird pick and you took james jk dobbins who was kind of a dead zone back but you took him above the rest of the dead zone guys so that's even worse but obviously we're we're very high on dobbins there it's a risk reward type of pick he could end up being the running back two or three on the season he could end up missing the first month and then kind of working his way back slowly and having that offense uh, sort of evolved to actually throwing more again, being a Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman type of team. So a lot of different ways that those could go. We're targeting the players with the wide range of outcomes. Again, I guess I guess my concern about the players and the running backs in the dead zone is they don't necessarily have that wide range of outcomes. And for that reason, they're probably not going to put up the running back points you need to make a difference. In this draft too, it is interesting because even though this is an overtime draft, you know we took J.K. Dobbins before Cortland Sutton. Then you did have this massive stretch of wide receiver selections after James Conner was picked. But Antonio Gibson goes ahead of Devontae Smith and Gabriel Davis. You have A.J. Dillon, for example, going ahead of Darnell Mooney, Drake London, uh, Amon Ra. So there are players in here. Josh Jacobs goes basically one pick if you take out the quarterbacks before Traylon Burks. Burks has had a tough time in camp, but someone who was that good at Arkansas, 
basically you would expect him to get the breathing issues under control. We know that people who have some health things like with the asthma, that that can be tricky. And, and obviously we're rooting for him because playing in the NFL is, is difficult enough without having to deal with something extra there. But there were kind of names in this range. You think about even the guys in round nine, like the two Buffalo backs and Clyde Edwards Alaire. Those guys go ahead of Garrett Wilson. And maybe I'm too high on Wilson, but I do like to play the gap in price between Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, even though I'm a massive Elijah Moore fan. So interesting there in that I think that we could have seen, it wouldn't have surprised me, I guess I should say, if the running backs had fallen even further. But as we mentioned in the intro, this format is run, more running back heavy than a normal two running back, two wide receiver, two flex type of league. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? last forever the stanley cup final on abc and espn plus begins saturday another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think, again, it always comes down to knowing the the overall rules and roster constructions that you need to be able to play on a weekly basis. And you know, we talked a lot recently about the half point PPR element over at the underdog drafts. And then obviously we come in here where it's full point PPR, but also tight end premium. And then this one is super flex and how the flexes work and things like that. I think it's that's something to always dive into. But overall, I think a lot of the very strong teams drafted here, some of the players that we do really like, Sean, going a little bit ahead of ADP as we would expect. Some of the players maybe that we aren't as high on then fallen quite considerably. considerably. But overall, I think it's a a really, really uh, good draft with a lot of good teams. And I'm gonna it's gonna be interesting, as you said earlier, to see it playing out. Team in spot one, we talked about, you know, Deshaun Watson a little bit during the draft and his ongoing situation, but interesting that team one took Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson back-to-back in the 14th and 15th round. Guess that locks them into the, the Browns quarterback situation, but they hadn't took any quarterback from Josh Allen at the 101, but did load up on some really strong players overall. Interesting, though, that when they get to round nine, it, there's, there's quite a lot of running backs then up to round 16 with Irv Smith and the two quarterbacks in there. How do you feel, you know, I touched on the Gronkowski pick when we were doing the draft for another team. How do you feel about something like that where there's two potential quarterbacks? I guess last year we would have seen that a little bit with the New Orleans Saints where people were saying it could be Heller, it could be Winston, and people were drafting both of them on the same roster. What's your thoughts on on burning a roster spot to make sure that you have one quarterback from the two guys? It's going to depend at least a little bit on your board. And if you feel like you're losing out because you use that round 14 pick on Brissett versus what you could have gotten in round 14 compared to round 19. The thing here is I almost might prefer just to take Deshaun Watson in a vacuum and mix him in with someone else 
because with Watson, you're hoping for that extreme upside at the very end of the season. If he ends up getting, and some of the mechanisms of the suspension are a little bit unclear. We know that it does seem like we're moving toward a resolution, but if he ends up with something like a, a 12 game suspension and he is able to play at the end, then maybe you get the fantasy playoffs. It looks like it'll be a full year suspension. Although if it ends up being eight games, then this is probably still a, just a fantastic price in round 15. The only little additional concern I would have there is that th- there's at least some sort of scuttlebutt that Brissett might not be the starter if Watson is ruled out. And so you could end up using both of these picks and have neither player play. And if, if that's the case, then obviously you're dead. The flip side of it is just that, again, if you're looking at a tournament and you're thinking, well, how can I maximize week 17 and you're not as concerned about advance rate, maybe you think that this overall group of drafters is going to be tough enough that you're more kind of in a one out of 12 as opposed to a one out of seven, which might be more accurate in a lot of rooms, then you're willing to take even a bigger swing. It's also something to where the draft is going to evolve as it goes through and listeners you know who are interested obviously get to hear us and kind of what we were talking about the, at the time and where we wanted to be flexible and the different choices that we made as the draft progressed you know we, we don't get to hear that same kind of monologue or explanation from the individual drafters so we don't know where they might have actually had a different plan and then moved off of that to you know plan b plan c and if it's a plan C, plan D, because you actually had some different targets and they went in a slightly different spot than you were expecting, then yeah, I mean, this gives you a lot of upside. If Brissett can carry the team through and then you get to the playoffs and you have Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen with this team. Otherwise, I mean, it's got DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, that's the team that's going to be putting it on people if it gets any kind of quarterback play. So, uh, from a contingency-based perspective, there are lots of cool things going on there. You know, basically no floor at all with this team, but a ceiling that's absolutely through the roof. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's again like, you know, look at our roster, and we didn't take those quarterbacks. Maybe some people will say similar things about ours in terms of the upside and the floor. Um, but yeah, it's always interesting to see. I, I think, like you touched on at the start, I, I would likely take Watson, Arbrissett, and then you no know, target another. Uh, roster this is a bit like you know handcuffing running backs you know i'm trying to avoid that even though in this draft we have taken two off those kansas city chiefs running backs and just when we're on those running backs we did take ronald jones that meant that we did miss out on gerald effort with that pick but griffin did message in while the draft was going on to say that i i can't believe sean that this would have been a typo and i have never seen it before but he said thank you rojovez so uh, <laughs> i guess any of these drafts that we're doing now will have to be uh rojo viz drafts um but <laughs> the other team sean that i was just going to touch on before we do wrap up is the tight end situation we did get into a little bit of a hole but you know with kettle mcbride and dulcich i think we will be able to manage that we do have an elite tight end in this build which means that having two tight ends can work in that build but we have three just in case because of the rookies but looking at the other teams who we have a couple of four tight end teams but there is a few teams then with the two tight end builds so we have the team in 10 with travis kelsey and david njoku team in nine with pat fairmouth and gerald everett um and then we have the team in seven with dallas goddard and darn arnold and had to mention this they did pair 
Darren Arnold with Sam Darnold uh, as their last two picks off the draft here in this one. So uh, what's your thoughts, Sean, on those kind of two tight end builds? Or is it, if you, I guess with the elite tight end option, I think you might get away with it. Is it leaving a little bit thin when, when you don't have one of those top tier tight ends? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a pretty straightforward three tight end format. And in small samples, a four tight end has actually been preferable. So you can see again where because you essentially lose a starting lineup spot that the tight end has even more influence. And then obviously tight ends in FFPC with the tight end premium, they are very viable flex starters as well if you end up having an abundance of riches. So you, you want to be powerful at tight end in this format, and we did not accomplish that. In many ways, not being powerful at tight end, I think, is more of a concern for me than what we ended up with with the QB situation. The QB situation is purely this scenario-based kind of draft. We're expecting Baker Mayfield to be a starter. We're expecting Desmond Ritter to be a starter after the first month. Then you have your three QBs, and you have them going strongly kind of down the stretch. We took Geno as a little bit of a hedge, and and ideally here you really would have baker mayfield go to the panthers so you have four starters right so that could play out like that if you wait at qb as we kind of talked about during the draft then you want to select four quarterbacks in this even though that feels like it's going to take away one of your late round options the 19th and 20th round picks right now at this point in the offseason are very weak because training camps haven't happened to kind of solidify the backup types of positions the third wide receiver types of positions the teams that seem to be doing well versus the teams you know and teams that can make a jump ben and i have done some shows on that for stealing bananas those jump teams in addition to jump players can be a very good source of fantasy points we're still a ways away from knowing how that's going to play out and if you don't know how that's going to play out then i think there's some value to using your 19th and 20th round picks in a different way as opposed to selecting players who probably are going to be irrelevant now there also is going to be a lot of mix of players in the 19th and 20th round some of those players are not going to be drafted hardly at all and will go on to have good seasons and then you have a player on your team that is completely different than the rest of the field that gives you a prohibitive advantage so there are trade-offs in terms of how you want to approach these late rounds we use the fourth quarterback obviously we used our 17th and 18th picks on rookie tight ends if you're going to take rookie tight ends you need to take them late right you can't take them at a spot where you're giving up meaningful value at a different position and those are some interesting approaches we have a mark andrews robert tanyan hayden hurst brevin jordan team obviously that's an elite cute uh, an elite tight end team that also then has three sort of very low-end tight ends but low-end tight ends that are interesting because tight Tanyan is going to play with Aaron Rodgers. Hayden Hurst is going to play with Joe Burrow. And then Brevin Jordan, someone we talked a lot about in the show. You can listen to those comments. He could have a target volume that is higher than a lot of the guys who were selected ahead of him. The team five does it in a very different way where they wait till round 14 to take their first tight end and then go with Austin Hooper, Mo Ali Cox, Johnny Smith, someone we mentioned, and Adam Troutman, someone I know that Curtis thinks could have a little bit of a bounce back season when he has been in kind of his sort of best windows of health and whatnot has scored some points team four which is a modified zero qb is their team name which obviously we love has zach Ertz, cole Komet, logan thomas and tommy tremble tremble is someone i didn't mention in the show in part because the panthers offense is so bad we do 
potentially have some exposure to the Panthers offense with the way that we did the quarterbacks. So that would have been an interesting one. Tremble, I think probably more of a third year breakout, but someone who is so athletic that they've used him on tight end carries around the goal line. Logan Thomas, there are some injury concerns there. There are QB concerns, but he was so good back in 2020. And then Cole Komet, a true breakout candidate. Zach Ertz, we have to root against Zach Ertz. This uh, is a pairing yeah. with Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray in the first round. With Kyler to Ertz, that maybe is the play. We're just going to bet on, on Trey McBride and say that's the way that you need to play that one. But that's an interesting mix. And last team has Gasicki, Henry, Uzama, and Brait. Uzama and Brait players that we could have selected late and decided not to. Out of these four teams, column, which kind of tight end build of the four tight end builds do you prefer? Do you like the way that they fit it into the way the rest of their team was built? I think in terms of the best tight ends picked is team two. I think you have to go with Andrews, who is also stacked with Lamar Jackson. Then you have Tanyan, Hurst, and Jordan. And I think, you know, Hurst and Jordan are lit round tight ends that I think will be able to get you through certain weeks. I guess the, the one thing I would say in a situation like this is you're really hoping that Mark Andrews is in there every single week, and then that might limit the upside of having those additional guys on that roster as well. Um, the others, I think you, they're four tight ends for a reason. You kind of need those extra options. Um, I, I would have some concerns around Team 5 um, in terms of Austin Hooper and Wally Cox johnny smith and adam troutman but i guess those guys can get you through each and each week if, if one of those would hit so definitely going with team two when you mentioned about how they've done it with the rest of the roster i do like the jackson to Andrews stack that's there they've kurt cousins and they've joe mixon mike williams i'm not in an alan robinson this year but that is the wide receiver too chris godwin probably going to miss the start of the season so a couple of concerns there elijah mitchell's a solid option i like hunt i like penny Davis Mills is the third quarterback. So again, that third quarterback in Mills is able to get all those Brevin Jordan points, Sean, that he's going to put up this year. And then Christian Watson, Josh Palmer, Nico Collins again of the Texans, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, and Brashad Perryman. So there could be depth at other spots based on the four tight end approach that that may have helped. You know, I think one of those tight ends been turned into a wide receiver may have helped that roster overall i'd be interested as well in terms of in hindsight in the sixth round they took alan robinson over rashad bateman when they did have lamar jackson and mark andrews maybe they could have went all in in baltimore there but maybe it is a case that all that passing offense is going to run through andrews in 2020 so there is going to be a case if you take the elite tight end and then you take four tight ends that i think you're going to limit some of the potential upsides at other positions but overall i can see why all four teams there have gone with the four tight end approach but sean that is going to get us to the end of the recap of that draft unless there's any final bits that you you want to slide in there well i just wanted to say thank you again to the listeners and to the participants in this draft it was so much fun they left a ton of both uh insightful and hilarious comments uh, in the chat during the draft i wasn't able to respond to those because i was trying to uh compete with them <laughs> and figure out who we we're going to pick here to make this cooper cup and jamar chase build work but uh, again the community is, is fantastic 
we love having all of them do this. We're rooting for a team, as we said, to come out of this and win the overall title. There are some teams here that not only are very, very good, but I think will end up being unique. And that's one of the, the tiny advantages as well of doing these RVOT drafts is that you're going to come out of the draft with a team that probably is different than you would in most other draft rooms. I love these teams. I love what the drafters did. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to everybody, and we'll have another one soon. Yeah, looking forward to having some more. Again, if you're interested in playing, send an email my way uh, at rollofitsradio at gmail.com or send it on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. But that is going to get us to the end of today's show. As always, as a loyal podcast listener, you can give yourself a 10% discount to a roll of his NFL pass using the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. Save 10%. That is over on rotoviz.com. You'll get access to all of the content and all of the tunes up on the website. So don't miss out. Subscribe today. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. We did. I did. I did message people who have joined the leagues over the last week or so. Ask them to drop us a written interview. And we have bumped up by over 20 written reviews on Apple Podcasts over the last week. So if you're listening, I know we have longtime listeners who haven't yet dropped that written interview. It'll be much, much appreciated. It takes a couple of seconds. Drop that five-star review. We would really appreciate that. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Of course, you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotavids.com. And until we're back with our next show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.